Here we go again, another 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 episode of the See For Yourself podcast. The only podcast where the podcast suddenly starts collapsing around you just as you attain the precious artifact you came searching for in the first place. I am your host, Method 2, The Madness, and I am joined today by... Flurf McGurf. Flurf McGurf. Aren't we all? <laughs> Aren't we all? Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. I have a movie for you today. <laughs> Well, boy, I can't wait. I do be coming here for the movies. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You kind of caught me off guard today. You were like, I'd like to watch a happy movie. And I'm like, oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck me. (laughs) All I ever have for you is sad, fucking depressing, horrifying movies about people getting murdered and raped and punched in the back of the head. I come in and I give you the whole uh, the whole SpongeBob monologue about how uh, my glass bones and my paper skin and it's like <laughs> well anyways we're here to watch Glass or uh, whatever the prequel to that was. No, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I'm sorry. I tried my hardest and what I came up with was City Hunter. City Hunter. Oh, okay. Hold hold back your enthusiasm for five fucking seconds and let me give you the blur. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Jeez, God, it's it's a fine name. There's nothing wrong with the name. Jesus, I've immediately. Uh, I can't wait for the blurb to uh, disenfranchise all of the all of the thoughts that I just had for some really cool movies. <laughs> well, 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 okay, okay. Maybe that's the thing we should start trying to do. Why don't you give me everything you've got just based on the title? And I, for the record, this is a movie I have not seen. I've never seen this movie. Okay, have you seen it? I don't. I mean, no. I don't watch. I don't watch movies. It's a golden episode. All right. So one one of two things will happen. Either this man is just that. This is uh, the whole movie set in post apocalyptia, and this man is now a hunter in a city. You know, maybe it's you know a la Postman, where it's like he starts a, a revolutionary uprising where everybody's still just being looters and pillagers, and he's like, no, we can live off the land, and and you know, it's just nature's reclaiming a city, and it's and the whole theme is going to be about uh, the destruction of nature by capitalism, or much cooler movie. He is a hunter of cities, and so every city is like a walking island, and he uh, hunts them because the cities have gone rogue. I uh, I really like that second one. I don't know why that just sounded perfect. It really sounds neat, right? Like all all the cities have gotten up like uh, as crabs. Like all, all cities have turned into crabs, and they're just roaming the the countryside, accosting villagers. And so now, like a witcher, practically, he's being hired to take down cities, crab cities, literally take them down. Yes. My idea for City Hunter is. Let me go ahead and tell you just how fucking. Stupid you are with my with my excellent idea. Are you ready for this? All right. Buckle the fuck up because I'm about to take you for a ride, little girl. City Hunter is about a single dad. Okay. The only way he's able to make money, the only job that he can do to make like a living wage is he he goes from town to town, from city to city, huh? City, and he has to deliver various things. So he's like a trucker, basically, right? Okay. So he can't spend any time with his daughter. 
but his wife died tragically. So he's still got like all the rights to like take care of the child, but he can't be at home with her because he's got to make money to like put food on the table and give a house over her head and everything. So he goes from city to city hunting down these really cool things that his daughter talks to him about whenever he's at home or whenever he talks to her like over the phone or whatever. Oh, that's pretty neat. So he's hunting in the city for like whatever their last conversation was about. If she's like, oh my God, I love ponies. He's just like, okay, I got to find like a cool pony thing to like bring back for my daughter and then at the end of the movie he just brings back all these cool things that we never see him collect in the movie but it's like implied that he you know he's going around he's interacting with the people in the town and like da 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 and so on and so forth and the last thing that he collects is a new mommy because that's like the last thing that she's on the phone with him about she's like she's like i just want mommy i don't have a mommy and he he fucking he finds himself old girl to like bring back with him i don't love that <laughs> Yeah, so, like, I, I was on board, and it's like, and he collects a new mommy, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> all that's, right. That's how these movies went, and, like, this movie was made in the 90s, for the record, so, like, that's how they went down. <laughs> right. I mean, it's the natural progression. He goes from city to city collecting objects. Women are just objects to be collected. Back on the See For Yourself podcast trends of women aren't people, and so movies believe that they're not and always have. <laughs> I'm just saying if all of our education comes strictly from films, we would believe that women aren't people. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So that's my idea for City Hunter. It's about a, it's about a single dad trying to connect with his daughter, even though he can't be home with her. And he has to like hire someone to take care of her in the meantime. And he talks to her every night to the best of his ability. And it's really sad and, and low to the ground. So let's go ahead and get into the blurb. Are you ready for the blurb? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's go. Criminals hijack a cruise ship with a private eye aboard who is investigating a missing child. That's what you got? That's that's the blurb. It, it didn't mention a city once. No, it did not. <laughs> well, shit. I don't like this movie anymore. God, city hunter on a cruise ship that criminals have taken over. I'll uh, I, I do I did want to give you just the uh, the movie did come out in '93 and it's an hour and 46 minutes long. So clearly they are they they believe in this movie. They you know, sixteen extra minutes they tacked onto it, so City Hunter on a cruise ship. Is this like a is this like a cruise ship for like old people? Because you know, there's like different kinds of cruise ships. There's like cruise ships for like rich folk to like go out and get like drunk and, and really trashy and you know, uh they hit up all the like most luxurious islands. Or is it like a cruise ship for like old people where it just goes to like nearby like coastal areas and you know, they're kind of just there to play like shuffleboard and stuff? Or is it gonna be like a like a mix of everything? I mean, I think there's gonna be some old people on there because um I don't know, if if criminals have come aboard like there's got there's got to be a reason for it, right i mean cruise ships are generally something that wealthy people do and old people tend to be wealthier than than not old people so there's there's going to be some old people on board but i don't know if it's going to be like the retirement cruise ship or just like you know the the grand matriarch of the macy's family and she just happens to also be retiring on a carnival cruise ship do you think this movie will have guns and stuff or are they just kind of hijacking it with like hey we're we're some tough customers you don't want to mess with us i'm sorry it is a pg-13 movie Okay, so I think there will be guns, but they won't be fired. No one's gonna shoot a gun. No, no one's gonna shoot a gun. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I, I like the idea of like the threat of having a gun, but never actually firing it. It's the implication. <laughs> <laughs> is there gonna be a romance subplot? Um, the romance is gonna be like why this detective man has come to look for the kid. It's either his kid or 
the kid of I don't know an an ex romantic partner, but it's not his kid. But like he's he's somehow emotionally tied to the kid, or maybe like he'll just get flashbacks of like his own kid that like died in a similar cruise ship capture scenario. Damn, we really fucked you up on Vertigo, didn't we? <laughs> yep, yep. There we go. <laughs> You watched Vertigo one time and you were like, okay, so he went to college with the the mom and they had like a romantic tryst, but things didn't really pan out. And so they're kind of estranged now, but there's still something there and she kind of follows him around and she's kind of trying to frame him for something. And it's just like going and going and going further down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Right. This is a vampire movie is what you're saying. I mean, with a name like City Hunter, I would not put it past it. Well, yeah, I'm I'm super tied into the name because like the blurb and the name, or maybe it's just because I've sold myself on Crab Cities, but <laughs> like I I don't know, City Hunter just sounds so rife with D and D plot drama, and then it's like, no, oh, this is a uh, this is that movie about the Somalian pirates that took over a ship. This is just that movie. You haven't uh, you haven't seen the Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust episode, have you? No, I have not. Uh, you haven't seen the movie either. I probably I I think I watched part of it, but yeah, I don't know if I finished it. I think I I specifically chose not to watch it with you because uh, I think I showed you a couple clips from it or something, and I thought that might be kind of cheating. Right. That episode's kind of cheating, anyways, because I introduced uh, the person on that episode to the idea of Vampire Hunter D, and so they kind of had a little bit of extra information, but they'd never seen the movie. There was no shot in hell they'd seen the movie, so I thought it was it was safe and certainly better than you who had seen like a couple clips from it. But I, I bring this all up because your description of like you know this man gets hired on to like stop these cities from roaming about like aimlessly or even destructively. Uh, it sounds like the plot of a Vampire Hunter D novel. Yeah, like this is exactly the kind of shit that they would write for a story for Vampire Hunter D. Like, oh, there's a city that, like, some mad scientist attached legs to and now stomping all over other cities and it's, like, going around and it's infecting other city with legs and, like, it's a whole big problem. That's Vampire Hunter D in a nutshell. You've, you've captured the essence of these types of stories. I mean, as I was saying it, I was vaguely reminded of, like, I saw a trailer for a movie where it's, like, countries are at war, but each each country is just one robotic leg city a la Hal's Moving Castle. So I, I know the plot's already been done, but it, it still would have been nice. It's it's such a cool idea. It's It's like the better version of Wild Wild West, because, like, you, you'll watch Wild Wild West and you're like, there's some wacky stuff going on here and I don't necessarily hate it. It's just kind of weirdly executed, like not in a great way. You took the cool aspect of Wild Wild West and dropped the awkward, not really done super well aspect of it. And what you ended up with was this really neat idea. <laughs> Do you think that the child will be significant in some sort of political way? That's usually how these types of things roll out. It's like the private eye has been hired to investigate this person because they're dad is the prime minister and they're just there as like a bodyguard really or like what what is it gonna be i, I don't know why i'm latched on to this like magic idea like maybe uh, is is the kid like actually tied to some political faction or maybe the kid herself i don't know why i said herself i'm assuming it's a it's a girl because that tends to tug at the heartstrings better like is inherently like i don't know that the result of a scientific experiment and now she's psychic that's what it is that's why she's got to get kidnapped i like that idea Unfortunately, I I doubt it. Hijacking is such a normal thing, and private eye is such a normal thing, and, like, a young child being, like, protected is such a normal thing. I struggle to imagine a scenario where they're like, yeah, we did a bunch of normal stuff, but here's the cool weird thing. (laughs) I don't know, maybe they're downplaying the the super weird thing. Maybe all of these people are, like, super powered, and yeah, that's what it is. 
These are all, this is all the result of secret psychic experimentation. And so the people hijacking the boat, maybe they don't have guns. They got mind bullets. And, and the guy that uh, that's the detective, he can see six seconds into the past. And that's why he's such a good detective. Well, I guess that's not, doesn't make you a very good detective. Whoa, but yeah. that can be very helpful. Don't, don't underplay that. <laughs> You're about to sell yourself short on a great idea. <laughs> that's it that's that's the plot mind bullets uh six second te- telepathy and the girl can, can make her stuffed animal come to life i don't fucking know i like uh i don't know why i've been on a big kick with this lately because i've uh you know they like to do that in college classes where they're like hey let's break the ice with some like you know fun conversation starters all right class why don't you raise your hand if you have a cool idea for this but if you'd have any superpower what would you have and of course everybody's raising their hands because all the marvel movies are going crazy everybody's so quick they love to do this invisibility the ability to fly the ability to like teleport uh time travel most of these have like something to do with like getting around like that's like a big problem for college students they don't have the ability to like get around I don't know. And my answer, in my head, I'm like critically thinking about this. Like if I could have a superpower, I would want to be able to like actually have conversations, like intelligent conversations with inanimate objects. It's not bad. Just to go up to like a tree and be like, what all have you seen in the tree? Sort of like, oh, hey, wow. Yeah, I've noticed things. And like maybe maybe a tree hasn't seen things, but they've like been touched by things or they've been like, you know, they can feel that, right? They still have like sensory feelings maybe. Right. Maybe it would be better in, in with some inanimate objects than with others, right? Like, I don't know. I, I imagine the power would be useless in many cases, but it could be interesting. And trees work out really well, you know, with the, you know, the, the largest organism in the world is like this uh contiguous grove of fucking trees that are all just basically offshoots of the same one tree yeah so i guess i guess i would like to see something like that like maybe the little girl or the little boy or the the child that they're protecting is uh they're, they're able to like bring inanimate objects to life and then like use them to help them out in difficult situations and maybe it's not like perfect like they can't do it an unlimited amount of times because at that point you would just raise an army right maybe they can only do it like a couple times a day or something and it only lasts for 24 hours like i always love superpowers when they have limitations like that you know right it's really cool and powerful if you could just make inanimate objects into like you know anthropomorphized like characters that you can tell what to do and they'll they'll do your bidding and whatnot that's the craziest power ever without any limitations you could just do anything you wanted with that but if it's like only for 24 hours and only three or four times a day now it's like how do you use this to be helpful and it's like well you know if you're being chased by some guys that are hijacking a boat being able to create friends that can help you out with things that's really helpful i don't know i like that i think there's a lot of room for like creativity here and i'm certain without a shadow of a doubt this movie's not gonna like (laughs) no fucking way this is such a cool idea there's no way man you know it it always sucks to me that like uh almost like the given limitations that that the powers get when you have them like because that's a cool idea it's like i could i could make inanimate objects uh come alive for i don't know an hour whatever and it's like oh well, that sucks and it's like no no it's really cool look i uh, my teddy bear look it can dance it's whatever and like my immediate thought is that like what are the limits like a building is an inanimate object technically yeah and like how animated does a building become when you animate it right is it still rooted there or does it like does it grow legs does it fly <laughs> does everything that you bring to life just immediately carcinogizes into a crab <laughs> i said i can turn things into crabs it doesn't sound great but that's why they call me crabbo yeah. that's my superhero name crabbo <laughs>
<laughs> you can see why I didn't make it onto any Avengers forces or anything like that. It's Captain America and Krabbo. I showed up. I turned Captain America's shield into a crab. He was not cool with it. That was not okay. <laughs> I, tr- I I told him I could I could try one more time. I turned a guy's arm into a crab. He did not like that. I, w- I was shooting for the whole guy, but his arm, like, it didn't even come off. Now he's just got a fucking angry crab. It's, it's pissed off for the next hour. For the next, like, 58 minutes after I left, it ain't happy. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, hey, we're coming up on that time. Are there any more last-minute predictions you want to make about this movie? Any things that you you felt like we touched on we didn't really like get to the natural conclusion to? I was hoping some, some interesting... All of my ideas for this movie are great, and it's going to be... I, I gotta say, like, I'm still confused as to why he's the city hunter. Especially now that we've, like, uh, like the blurb itself posits that this, this whole thing is occurring in the ocean. Pro- probably <laughs> as far as possible from any city. Atlantis! The city's Atlantis! I've got it! <laughs> uh, there are a couple of details I've sort of purposefully uh, tried to lead the conversation away from. And I'll go ahead and I'll give them to you now. First and foremost, the most important thing, this movie is incredibly free. If you go and look it up you can find a million places for this to be found for free so keep that in mind do you care to know who our starring cast member is vincent price if only (laughs) think 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 action hero around the 90s uh john favreau maybe maybe no wait in in the 90s this isn't steven seagal is it no no you're getting closer though okay chuck norris let's let's table this Uh, okay And I'll come back to it later. How about that? Sure. I'm surprised you didn't want to bring up that this could be a buddy cop movie. Uh, that's true. Uh, I feel like we've been leading with that quite... Is it? Is it a buddy cop movie? <laughs> hey, you told me to pick a movie that would make you happy, and I'm just saying... <laughs> <laughs> There is a consistent through line in what you enjoy. But let's let's put that down for a second. This movie is based on a popular uh, animated series. Is it? Okay. Also by the name of City Hunter. Okay. So with that in mind, do you have any more guesses for who you think could be the leading role, the, this private eye that we're following? Nicolas Cage. Wow. So when you had 1990s, might be a buddy cop movie based on an animated IP, you came up with Nick Cage. I, I don't listen. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I just. I'm <laughs> glad. Honestly, I'm. I'm impressed because I think Nick Cage would do great. I really do. But uh, our leading character is Jackie Chan. Oh, all right. Yeah, we got the Chan Man. Okay. We haven't. I don't think we've covered a movie that has had Jackie Chan in it yet. Yeah, I um like I I know he's he's very popular for like a certain type of movie, like almost like the action slapstick, which is fine. Like that that's fine. I just I never I never thought that you'd propose a movie to me starring Jackie Chan. I I didn't think you'd do it to me. I I love Jackie Chan. I I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast. I'm a big proponent of Jackie Chan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love I love I love the guy. I uh, all the interviews he's ever in, he's the sweetest man ever. He does all of his own stunts, or at least most of his own stunts. I know for a long period of his life, he was definitely doing all of his own stunts, even to the point of like personal injury. Oh yeah, there's a very popular story of him uh, breaking an ankle while doing a stunt, and like they still had to reshoot that take. Yeah, I mean he's a he's our guy. Like yeah, like let's just do another take. Let's let's do this. 
for real mm-hmm. because it's just better that way. It's hard to argue with when you see a lot of these movies with him where he does some wacky stuff and you can tell it's all done in one take. He made that happen for real. He, he's the real deal. He's the guy. I'm not trying to overhype this movie in case it's not, you know, as good as I'm making it out to be, but I try. I tried really hard to find a movie I thought you'd enjoy. Jackie Chan is, you know, he always brings a lot of joy to me, so I'm hoping he'll do the same for you. I don't know. But uh, that's really all I had. Uh, for the record, I know nothing about the City Hunter uh, animated series or the manga or anything that uh, I have no clue. Don't know anything about it. I also don't. I, I was not aware that it was an animated series. Well, probably this will be another Santo situation where we're like, whoa, this movie was so cool. We got to go and read City Hunter. Apparently it's the best thing ever. <laughs> I, that's my big prediction for this. After we're done watching this movie, we're going to be like, well, okay, we, th- this is Santo 2.0. <laughs> I mean, I'm thrilled for it. Let's call it right here. Um, everybody, we implore you for the billionth time for you to go out and see for yourself. And see for yourself. <laughs> and see for yourself. And see for yourself. See for yourself. We implore you for the millionth time. Hit it, hit it. It's see for yourself. Do you ever watch that Bojack Horseman episode? <laughs> I probably have, but I don't know which one he's talking about. There's an episode where he can't figure out how to say the line, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> can you can you give me one of those? And for the millionth time, we implore you. <laughs> See for yourself. <laughs> excellent, excellent. You can can you can you can you lead me in and I'll give it a go? And and once again, we implore you to uh See for yourself. <laughs> oh my god. I find that it helps to like throw your arms out like you're like you're about to hug someone, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> okay, okay, that'll that'll be it. Jeez. City Hunter. City Hunter. City Hunter. Would you care to kick us off on this? I feel like this is one of those situations where if we were more cognizant of the source material there's probably a lot of cool stuff hidden in there but not having that i was going through the movie thinking that this is either like is this a this this is an american movie right no it's a hong kong film all right so that's what i got to thinking i was like no 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 maybe maybe this is just like a style that they're trying to portray or something like that so like the overacting and the very Uh, how all the men have to act very foppishly and it was very strange there was a lot of times where i was like and who's this and and who are they and why why do i care and it, it was uh it was very interesting i i cannot say enough how much i loved this movie whoever was writing this was told this is a comedy first and they just ran with it. They do this thing at the beginning. I love this. I love this bit where it's his birthday. He gets home from a hard day's work and there's this big banner in his garage that says happy birthday and all these beautiful women and they're jumping out of his car and they've got cake and they're like, happy birthday. And he's like, hey, do I know you all? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, well, give me the cake. I'm hungry. By the way, they keep that I'm hungry bit for the rest of the film. They never forget about it. He is constantly hungry. He's constantly looking for food. That's fucking hilarious. And it takes no effort from the writer to just be like, yeah, he didn't get to eat on his birthday. He didn't get to have any of the cake. And we just keep going with it. We just keep going with it. (laughs) 
My my rat snack. <laughs> he was gonna eat a whole rat. He was just gonna find like a fire somewhere, cook a rat alive, and then eat it because he's that fucking hungry. <laughs> well, I I want to say what my uh my most and least favorite parts of the movie were. Okay, my least favorite was that dance number that took quite a bit of time. I don't know why I didn't like it. There were a couple of dance numbers, so which one? Oh, the with the uh, I, I assume the two Asian rapper fellas. Okay, it it didn't take long. It was about a little less than three minutes. I would say two minutes. Okay, it it felt long. Two minutes is a long time in screen time. Like as a viewer, two minutes is like oh jeez. Uh, but I did love seeing Jackie Chan as Chun Li. That alone should be enough. Just seeing Jackie Chan in Chun-Li cosplay should be enough to warrant an hour and a half worth of, like, sitting around doing nothing. Right. The the other hour and a half of the movie isn't nothing. There's stuff going on. So, like, price of admission paid, my guy. <laughs> I also, I don't know if, like, maybe there's another version of this where it's like, uh, what what is this originally dubbed in? You know, like, what are they speaking behind the subtitles? What's a it's a Hong Kong movie, so probably Mandarin or some Cantonese, something like that. I don't know. It's, it was really weird that like their lips neither matched like the subtitles nor what they were speaking. So so there was just some like weird parts there. So I'm like willing to give some of these things up for like translation. But there's this part in the beginning where he's like the main villain and his two bouncers, and he's like calling them gay and telling them to die of AIDS. That was really weird. Yeah. Uh. Uh. So easily the like hardest to swallow part of the film is when. And the like, he's like a villainous character. He's a character we're not really supposed to like. That's the other thing in the translation shit. That's his, his cousin. Like, unless somebody mistranslated yeah. that, he's like, let's elope, cousin. Yeah, I, I think the movie's pretty clearly like, uh, no, I'm not trying to elope with you. You're rich and I'm going on a cruise on your dime is basically what it is. Yeah. She's trying to use him to make Ryu jealous. I mean, that's not great for its own reasons, but it's a lot better than I'm going to actually consider eloping with my cousin. Uh, yeah, so just just those those two parts there. And like I get it if we were trying to like if that was them going over the edge of like hey, you're you're really not supposed to like this guy. Look at him telling people to die of AIDS, but I like part of me was trying to reserve that and be like, no, no, this is clearly a translation issue because it's been double translated. Maybe, I'm I'm not sure. Uh it, it could be a little bit of both. Do you, do you want to talk about how the main villain's name was McDonald? Can we talk about that? Yes. <laughs> Big McDonald. They're like, they're like, oh, McDonald, you can't own everything. And I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> 20 years later, <laughs> you kind of can. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, like, on the topic of McDonald, um, actually, it's less about McDonald and, like, the guy that he ended up playing cards. Because there, there was this, you know, little bit in there. It's like, let's play cards and we'll see if you get to live. And the guy who I'm unsure of his relevance, but he threw playing cards. So that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, the Gambit character. Yeah, like, I thought that was a cool character. I don't understand how he fit in. But also, it kind of feels like everybody was just gonna die anyway, because he's like, oh, congratulations, you won! Let's play again! So I think that the, the guy you're describing, the, like, card-throwing character, is supposed to be, like, the legitimate James Bond. I think that this whole movie is supposed to be sort of a play on James Bond, uh, or James Bond archetypes. 
And the guy you're describing is like, he's, he is James Bond and city hunter or uh, Rio is, is not James Bond. He's like, you know, he's the comedic version of James Bond. He's uh, what's his name? The, the, the guy that uh, Mike Myers played. He's, he's Austin Powers, you know? Yeah. R- Rio is sort of Austin Powers in this. And uh, you know, he's just, he's really horny and he's really hungry and he's sort of like controlled by his like animalistic urges to like eat and to have sex and to like, you know, just get the job done so he can go home and sleep. Those are the things that he cares about. And this other guy is like, no, I'm actually really good at gambling and I'm actually really good at killing people and I'm actually a genuinely good secret agent type guy. And there's like a lady version of this too who sort of fills a similar role but as a as a woman, which I thought was... I thought that was really cool. They have like, you know, the lady version of Austin Powers and the lady version of James Bond, as well as the male version of James Bond and the male version of Austin Powers. And that's really fucking cool. No, I I did appreciate that. And I was uh, I was going to ask if it was more derogatory or progressive that they're like, hey, this woman's got a huge wreck and how unfortunate it causes her lots of issues in her life. There is one character who is played that way. Yeah, where she's like, oh, no, I'm a busty woman. And oh, I, I'm falling over. I can't aim my gun. Ah, I'm, I'm so front heavy. And like, yeah, because there's there's the one earlier where she's like, oh, no, I lost my balance because of my huge tits. And then uh, she's like, oh, no, the giant gun and my huge tits. I guess I'll fall over again. Yeah, they uh, they sort of play that for laughs. And yeah, probably not terribly progressive, probably pretty like not great. But it, I, I think they are. I mean, they're playing with the joke They're I don't think they're trying to disparage women with it. Although if we were to say, you know, we're, we're just using movies to indicate to us whether or not women are objects. This movie leans more towards women or objects. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, on on that scale, it definitely <laughs> leans one way with it. Although I, I will say, like the I don't know, there were a couple of parts where I was like, in my head, I was like, you, why would you hit the woman? And it's like, oh, they're being very progressive, like the. <laughs> The, uh, the whole scene where it's like, oh, I was just playing. I pulled, you know, she pulls the guy's shirt over his face and smashes a bunch of bottles. She's like, oh, you. And he's like, oh, you like that game? And he fucking slugs her. <laughs> or the part where the girl comes up and she's like, oh, I like, I like villainous men. And he just beats the shit out of her in response. And then a guy comes up and he's like, I also like villainous men. And he's like, we'll get in the room. Why don't you, sailor? <laughs> and I'm like, well, all right, then. <laughs> this guy knows what he's about. He beat the shit out of a lady for saying the same thing. Guy comes up and he's like, let's, uh, let's get alone, you and I. <laughs> you believe she said that with her mouth and you're saying it with those lips. But by God, <laughs> I've never been seduced so powerfully. <laughs> And then, and then we have the cool girl power moment. Let's talk about girl power moments in movies, right? There are not a lot of good movies that do like a solid job of having a moment where women are in power, where you're like, yeah, that seemed appropriate. But this movie does it. Like the guy gets cornered in a room with a dude he doesn't want to be in the room with, and the girls go in there, and they fucking take charge. Yeah. And it feels good. It feels right. It feels like, yeah, they like this isn't like unearned. This Everything in the movie has led up to this cool moment. I'm not, I'm not trying to say this. I'm not trying to rank movies on this podcast. That's not what I'm here to do. But this is probably our best buddy cop film so far, by a long shot. 
So I I will say that like at first I was like, oh, it's gonna be a buddy cop movie. The intro was probably also one of my favorite parts of the movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Where they're just they're getting all the exposition out and he's like, Oh, I've died. Take care of my daughter. And then like they have a whole heart heart and he's like, Now I can die peacefully. I, I was torn between like how funny it was and, and how creepy it was that he's like of course, I'll watch over your daughter. And don't ever hit on her. Oh, trust me, I won't ever hit on her. And they pan over her, and she's fucking, like, ten. And uh, then they just go down a flight of stairs, and he's like, but she grew so quickly. Fucking, there's a full-grown woman. That was fun. It's so weird, too, because, like, with our modern 2023 ideals, we're looking at this like, yikes. Come on, man. You knew her since she was, like, a fucking ten-year-old. But, like, we don't know, 1993, maybe this was normal shit. Maybe fucking your cousin was a normal thing. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And, yeah, we don't know how old she was. You know, that that whole beginning part was probably played up a lot more than, like, the actual... Like, nobody ever gave an age to this girl. She could have been fucking 15 in that opening bit, and she just aged by three years. Yeah. And it's like, eh... I mean, still creepy, but, like, not as bad as if she was, like, ten years old and you watched her age for ten more years. Right. I mean, she could have been, like, I don't know, maybe maybe in, like, uh, the source material, she's just, like, you know, her father dies when she's 18. And he's like, oh, take care of my daughter. And, uh, you know, they just played it up for the yucks here. Man, if everything I know about Japan is true... There's no fucking way. There's no way. There's no way. What, what, like, I'm just gonna, I have no information on this outside of what we've seen in the movie. But if everything I know about Japan is true, she was like 10 years old when he like China, isn't it? Well, well, it's based on a a manga out of Japan, as I understand. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent on this. I'm, I could be wrong. I'll do some research here. Let me do some research. Before we go shitting on the Chinese Santo. <laughs> poor, poor Chinese Santo. It is a Japanese manga that ran from 1985 to 1991. And then two years later, it got a, a live action film adaptation. Okay. Oh, thank God. Because I can't I can't deal with us doing another Santo, man. I really can't. <laughs> Our credibility is thin as it is. I'm not strong enough for that shit, man. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, so... So there was a a Japanese version of this first for, you know, that was the manga that got printed and people really liked it. And then it got a live action adaptation with with Jackie Chan that we just watched. Uh, There's apparently a French film adaptation and then a Netflix film adaptation and another Chinese film adaptation and then a television series adaptation and a video game adaptation. Uh, This is Santo. (laughs) This is... Yeah, it's basically just Japanese Santo. But, like, I I, I don't even think it's Japanese Santo, because this seems to be way more popular than Santo is. Lord have mercy. Right. Did you, uh, we we talked about the fight scenes earlier. We talked about how Jackie Chan is really willing to do those, like, longer takes and really, like, make it work over time. Was there a particular shot that you were like, oh, damn, Jackie, you actually did that. You, like, made that happen in real life in order for us to see it on screen. Part of what I like about Jackie Chan is that, like, other actors have cornered their portion of the market on I'm the biggest badass. And I think they even played on that because they had a fight scene in front of a Bruce Lee movie. So first off, I want to say it was really nice where he's like, thanks, Bruce. And he's like, not a problem, Jackie. You're fucking whatever happened. There. <laughs> like, that was that was fun. For the record, the, the, the movie there was uh, Game of Death. I believe, and I'm not certain, but I think that might have been Bruce Lee's final film that he ever did. 
Oh, really? Okay. Bruce Lee's final film has the word like death in it somewhere. So it's like kind of like, oh, it's crazy that like the last movie he ever did had death in the name. Yeah. The, the point I was trying to get across there is that like other actors have cornered the market on being like the biggest badasses. And Jackie Chan is the lighthearted martial artist of Hollywood. So I really like the scene where he's just dancing. It's like his the, the penultimate fight with the big bad and uh you know the big bad's like look i've got sticks and not only are they sticks they're chain sticks and and jackie's just moonwalking across the stage and like i love that scene the final fight scene is insane and it's so long and there's so many shots in it and there's so many like cut to this and cut to that and cut to that i think it's a great scene and it, and it really is really really cool and there's so much comedy and there's so much fun in it and it really is like well choreographed and keep in mind when we say choreographed that means dancing doesn't it like you choreograph a dance the same way you choreograph a fight right my favorite particular shot like one in specific is all the way back at the beginning when he's in that like cool oh girls tie me up and then feed me this cake oh it's my birthday i'm so excited right Mm -hmm. and he realizes that the girls are like you captured all of our boyfriends and we're gonna beat you up first of all they didn't have to do that they didn't have to do that at all. There was no reason to put this in the movie. It didn't further the plot. It didn't help with anything. It's just in there for fun. And God fucking bless, man. <laughs> what a good fucking time. So they're like chasing him around the garage. And he eventually like finds his the holster for his gun with his, with his revolver in it. And there's this shot where he sort of like kicks the revolver out of the holster and then catches it all in one take. It's all in one shot. That's what I'm talking about with Jackie Chan. He did not get that on the first try. Impossible. I don't know how many times he had to try to make that happen, but it was a lot more than a dozen, I'm willing to bet. I I know he likes doing his own stuff. Do you think they got someone to fill in for, like, him skateboarding, or do you think he really rocked that? It's it's hard to say. When it comes to, like, the martial arts, we know, like, yeah, it's, it's very likely that Jackie Chan did that shit himself skateboarding's a little bit harder but i do like how in the skateboarding scene when he's like trying to get the girl to like come along with him to go back to her dad and she's like getting away and she tells like one dude she tells one guy hey he's trying to molest me and all of the skate park is like molesters fuck no That the whole chase scene was really fun. Like, um, I thought they were gonna do more laps around the fucking business center, and that could have had its own antics. Uh, but the fact that Jackie like blasts through the one window, and then the barrage of them all pick their own window, I love that. I did love the shot where like Jackie jumps out of a window, and then all of them follow. That's so cool. And I know that like you know, there's like a cut to like make it probably for safety purposes, or it was difficult to like get the shot, you know, where they jump out and where they land in the same shot. Right. I, I get that. But like just the shot alone where they jump out of the windows and then they cut to them landing. Even that's still really, really cool. It looks so good. There's so many like cool action shots of this. Remember when... There's so many cool action shots. Like, uh, they're in the hallway, and the guy with the cards is, like, throwing cards at people, but he's running out of cards. He ran out of cards, but there's still a guy alive, right? Like, one of the villains is still alive, and he's still coming down the hallway, and he's got no more cards. He can't, like, throw a card at him and kill him, and he's like, ah, oh, what am I gonna do? And the the lady James Bond, so it's like the dude James Bond and the lady James Bond in the same hallway, shows up, and, and she has the Ace of Hearts. Like, she got it from him earlier, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. So she's like, hey, I'll toss it to you. Like, they're doing, like, uh, it's like hand signals to try to like let each other know and he's like no no just throw it and i'll figure it out she's like oh okay okay yeah sure i'll do that so she like throws the card into the air and he jumps and does like a kick flip and kicks the card (laughs) this movie is so fucking 
as cool as it is. It's so fucking cool. Ugh. Oh my god. <laughs> Was there a Street Fighter game coming out about the same time as they decided to do that bit? You know what? We have the time. Let's use the time, and we will find out right now. So City Hunter came out in 1993. Street Fighter 2 came out in 1991. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh. Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition came out in 1992. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Super Street Fighter 2 came out in September 10th, 1993. All right, so there was Street Fighter all up in it around that time. It seems as though you are correct, sir. There might have been some sort of pressure to, like, influence the Street Fighter. Well, only because, like, that particular scene, like, the bit's really cool. I really enjoyed the bit. Uh, I will say I was I was momentarily concerned about Black Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> you thought, huh? <laughs> I I was I was like, oh, cool. They well, there's Jackie Chan in a sumo outfit, and I'm like, all right, well, that's not horrible because, like, you know, whatever. It's the character from the game, and then they're doing this the iconic moves, and like that's cool. And then it's like, oh, well, what if I was also uh, what's his face? I can't remember his name. Guile, Guile, Guile. Yes, he comes up with the Guile outfit. And I'm like, okay, that's also really cool. And then he comes off as the witch doctor with the bones around his neck. And I'm like, Dulcim. Dulcim is oh, his name. Oh, dear. But I, I thought it was cool. They were showing off a bunch of signature moves, like the stretchy legs and like the fire. Yeah. yeah. And they had all the iconic music, too. It was really cool. The the voice lines and, and God, Chun-Li. Just Chun-Li again. That, that was a very wire-heavy fight. Impossibly cool, right? Like, just, they didn't have to do that. They could have chosen to be like, okay, well, let's not, like, do the whole cosplay thing and the moves and the music. No, they went in for it. And then they went in for it again and then again and then again. And, like, you're watching the scene and you're just like, no, they're not gonna... Oh, they are. Oh, and, and they are again. Oh, and then they are again. <laughs> they just keep doing it. <laughs> they could have had another, like, normal fight scene. Like, they could have just done that. But instead, they did the whole cartoon fight scene, and that was the resolution. It's like, no, Chun-Li beat fucking Ryu. And then in real life, you know, the, the, the fight's over. It's resolved. So because this uh, this movie is kind of like, you know, live action anime, basically, right? Like, y you, you kind of got that feeling. Yeah, I think I that that's what I was trying to get at earlier with, like, the overacting. They're, they're clearly doing, like, live action manga or live action anime. It's, it's 1993, basically after the 1980s. Anime knows what it's doing. Our understanding of anime today is pretty similar to our understanding of anime in the 1990s. So, like, all of the conventions of anime are pretty similar to back then. This does feel a lot like a live-action anime. Are there any scenes in it that you felt like, or any shots, or any particular, you know, that you felt like, this is just anime shit, and it's not supposed to be taken literally? I don't think I understand what you're getting at. Like, there's, like, a whole shot where, um, Kaori is, like... She's, like, jealous of Ryo for him, like... She's, she's the assistant that he watched grow up. Yeah. She's, like, jealous of him for ogling o other women, and so she pulls out this big hammer with a bunch of numbers on it, and then she hits him with it. And it's supposed to imply that, like, she's frustrated with him, and she's taking that frustration out on him physically. But, like, you know that's not happening literally. She's not actually beating him with a hammer. No, I get that, yeah. And, like, there's a couple of scenes in the movie like that, where it's, like, something happens, and you know it's not supposed to be taken literally. Like, the like the Street Fighter fight is not supposed to be literal. That didn't literally happen. Right. 
No, that's fair. I, I wonder if, like, the card trick, like, I'm using cards to kill people, is that supposed to be taken literally, or are we supposed to understand that, like, he has, like, a side arm that he's using to kill these people, and we're just using the cards because it, it looks cooler in anime-type stuff? I mean, it definitely did look cooler um, and made him stand out as a character at all. I'm willing to take that as a literal. I like how he would, uh, like, whenever he was flirting with, like, uh, Lady James Bond, he would sort of flip his hair up, you know what I mean? Right. There was a couple of times where, um, like, you know the, uh, the hair flowing in the wind bit that they just do with the fucking fan off screen? They did that a couple of times with him, too, and I'm just like, why? What? Where's the wind? Why do we need it? You gotta, you gotta let him know that he is, like, I mean, he's kind of the Fabio type of guy. Right. I especially love, like, we talk about how, you know, women are objects. They're not people. This movie definitely has a scene where, like, he catches the lady and uses her as a gun. And I'm like, oh, he's using her as a gun. And we can we can make jokes about that later in the podcast. That'll be funny. But, like, obviously the movie will never literally say, she's just my gun. And then it does. And then the movie literally says, no, 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 she's just my firearm. And then he drops her on the ground. And this... <laughs> Fuck! It's like this movie was made for our podcast, dude. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. How did you feel about, like, the, uh... Obviously, we're getting up on the ending of the film, and, like, it's pretty clear he's got to kind of pick a love interest because there's sort of, like... Effectively, there's, like, three or four of them for him in the movie, right? Yeah. For for Rio, and, you know, we're, we're you know, cultureless pig fuckers, so we, we want that, like, Hollywood ending where the guy ends up with somebody... So we're kind of anticipating that towards the end. And there's a bunch of like, they sort of play with that where he picks up the one girl and then he drops her and then he picks up the other girl and then he drops her and then he goes and sees the other girl and he hugs her and she's like, I'll be good. And he's like, oh, thank God you'll be good. Jesus fucking Christ, because you've been kind of a nuisance this whole film. And we're kind of anticipating who is he going to pick, right? And all three of these girls sort of show up and like shoot their shot. But all three of them, like, it doesn't really work out, right? Right. He ends up being with the girls from his fantasy at the pool well that's the thing like uh i wasn't sure if that was maybe that's my take on the if maybe it didn't really happen because you know she he gets beat up and i assume that he like got knocked out by the giant hammer in the very end scene because it's like the same scene as the opening scene where it's like he's dreaming about being with the choreographed swimmers yeah it's it's interesting that the movie ends with him on a large body of water doing a choreographed dance with another man but in his fantasy, it sort of starts with him in a large body of water doing a choreographed dance with a bunch of women. That's kind of weird. And and of course, like the ultimate ending of the movie is him back at that fantasy of him in a large body of water with a bunch of women. But like if we read the, the hammer scene as not being you know real, then like does he take that girl to Disneyland or does he not pick any of them? Well, what happens? Right, because I thought that was... Uh... Yeah, because the whole ending was was cut. Like, I saw the love interest ending at the end where it's like, oh, the girls run off because it's like, oh, you're going to marry the, the newspaper mogul's daughter or whatever. He's like, no, no, I only have eyes for you. And also the chick that just drove up. So it's like... I don't know. Maybe he was being more accurate than we give him credit for when he's like, oh, no, I'm a I'm a lone wolf. I'll never settle down. 
it's interesting that this movie kind of tries to like it's almost like the movie's trying to say that like every man has like so many different interests inside of him like his career interest is to be with somebody who's also sort of a secret agent type character so he wants to be with the lady from his most recent mission right but then you know he wants to be with the the girl who knows him the best the lady that he's been working with for the longest time and that he's been like alongside the entire time but there's obviously complications with that and like so uh, you know, and then there's the part of him that's like, oh, I, I want to be with just somebody who's like going to be able to take care of me, somebody who's rich and wealthy and like, you know, they're they're young and attractive and everything. And that's nice. So it's, it's almost like the movie is very clumsily trying to say that like every man has so many different needs and it's difficult to for any one individual to be able to you know fulfill all of those needs. It is interesting that he makes like a hard and fast decision on the like the rich young girl. He's like, ah, no, ah, just just fuck off. But the other two girls, he doesn't make a hard and fast decision on, really. Right. Yeah, he's willing to be like, hey, old man, just pay me. Uh, I don't want to have to marry your daughter to get paid. But then he can't decide. Like, I don't know. I'm sure that I'm sure there's a more wholesome reading of this where it's like, ah, but my my old buddy cop told me never to like hit on his daughter. It could very well be that he's trying to say this girl's too young and that's not great. And the guy's daughter is the guy's daughter. And he told me not to hit on her. So that's, you know, a no go. So the only girl that I'm actually interested in is the girl that's actually a spy and everything. But for some reason, the movie wants to be like, oh, and then I hit him with a hammer and then he's back with all these other girls. I don't see why he couldn't have just ran off into the sunset and made a very clear statement on, hey, that girl's too young. Hey, this girl's my friend's daughter. And hey, you're roughly the same age as me. You're in a similar career field. And we clearly got along pretty well in the previous, like, dalliance that we had. So let's just do that. I just don't know why the movie doesn't want to make a hard stance on that. And I think it has a lot to do with, like, the nature of, like, harem uh, storytelling or, like, How I Met Your Mother. Uh... I mean, they even make a point earlier in the in the movie where it's like he's scanning his own fingerprints and it's like, oh, he's just a ladies' man. Yeah, the bit where he's like, oh, we're going to check to see who's been, like, touching your buttocks and it's just him. That, that was a fun bit there right before the, the fight with the two black guys. Yeah, but, like... We, we have stories like, you know, in America, we have, you know, How I Met Your Mother. And in Japan, there's like Love Hina. A lot of these stories are sort of like the lifeblood of them is we cannot have the main character decide on a single girl. We have to sort of keep going with the like, oh, and he was never able to make a decision. So who knows who he picks? Ah. Right. And that doesn't feel very fulfilling in a movie, but it feels pretty good in a TV show where everything has to always be the status quo. Like the, the, the lead guy never has a girlfriend and the lead girls are all trying to make him pick her. So next episode... We'll see if he... Oh, he doesn't again. And next episode, we'll see if he... Oh, and in the next episode, he doesn't again. And that's sort of the, the nature of those types of shows. The other show was Tenshi Muyo. The show I was trying to think of was Tenshi Muyo. That's probably, like, the oldest harem TV show. Tenshi Muyo, like, deals with a lot of the similar stuff here, where, like, some of the characters are, like, blood-related to him, and that's kind of awkward. 
or some of the characters are much older than him and that's kind of awkward or some of the characters are much younger than him and that's kind of awkward or the characters that are like perfectly his age and like perfectly reasonable for him to date there's not a lot of chemistry so each character has a reason for Tenchi not to really want to be with them and it feels like this this movie kind of does the same thing where it's like this girl's way too young this girl's my friend's daughter and this girl I barely know at all you know what scene I was just thinking about because like it kind of stood out to me the one where it's like he's it appears as though he's perving over the 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 big breasted the female Austin Powers I suppose and they just keep flashing like hamburgers over her tits and like pieces of chicken for her arms like that one was just wild to me I I feel like he kind of accidentally gets two female Austin Powers like his his actual sidekick is sort of a female Austin Powers because there's like that fight scene that he has with uh, the guy who ends up being Ken from Street Fighter, but in this scene, he's not Ken from Street Fighter. And he calls her his girlfriend, and she's like, oh my god, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, this is crazy, just say it again. And he's like, I'm I'm literally fighting another grown man right now. I'm fighting for my life. <laughs> and she gets like mad about it. She's like, just say it again. And he's like, what? What? Stop. Please don't do this. <laughs> But yeah, that they they pretend that her body parts are pieces of chicken or hamburgers, and that whole scene is fucking absolutely banana nut bonkers forever. But it's again, the comedy in it is so good; it's hard not to love. <laughs> hamburgers, hamburgers, please. <laughs> I know, the whole time, and he's just like, please, a, a last request, just some noodles. I don't want to die of hunger. And the guy's like, uh, nah. And he's like, oh, no last request, you barbarians. <laughs> That's so funny. He sort of snuck his way onto the ship without uh, having to steal from anybody, even though it's like pretty clear he could do that if he wanted. No, I, I thought that was a that was a fun bit and more more lovely slapstick comedy as he ruins everything there. I liked how uh, in that in that early scene when he's like the girls are trying to fight him and they say like, "Hey, a real hero would never use a gun on on people when they're trying to fight him with fists." And he goes, "Oh, okay," and he shoots the ropes off of himself and drops the gun, and he's like. I'll show you just how much of a hero I am. <laughs> he literally beats the pants off of them, like their clothes start flying off as he's as the like kung fu noises right. are being made. <laughs> um, my man has a one track mind. <laughs> also, that scene where he's like shooting the guy's gun into the air with his own bullets—that's impossibly cool, right? Right. We just appreciate that. And then the guy ends up catching the gun and he's like, haha, I've got you now. But the fucking trigger has been shot in. <laughs> like it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> I, I kind of wish that they had done that for the whole movie because I was like, oh, look, he's just, you know, he's basically just playing with the guns. And it's like, oh, he just uses it to like get out of situations. And now he very much shot some people to death. He definitely did do that. Yeah. I also liked how uh, whenever they shot people, it was just like sparks coming out of them. I don't know if that's like a Hong Kong thing where they're like, hey, you're not allowed to show like realistic depictions of people being shot. You have to kind of like dramatize it in the like power rangers sort of way I, I don't know but i i, I liked it uh, it didn't take away from the movie at all for me i i thought it was light and fun and enjoyable i just think it would have been like a neat like counter you know counterplay between him and fucking uh the the other james bond character 
Like, the other guy will kill people, and he's like, oh, no, I, I'm so good with my gun, but I don't kill anybody. Yeah, I think that if they were to remake this movie in today, it would be really cool to see a hero who's like, no, I only use bullets to, like, disarm people. I'm never trying to kill anyone. But, uh, hey... We're coming up on that time right about now. Uh, is there are there any last minute things you want to bring up real quick before we close it out? I will say that when I when I looked up this movie, there's another there was another Jackie Chan movie beside it called like uh, Lightning something, I th- which I think is what he called the the fucking the the SWAT teams that showed up after the fact to fix the world. The Taiwan Thunderbolts. Yeah. Those those guys were pretty cool and I wish they had more to do. They certainly like show up and like, you know, they, they help out, but they don't really get a lot of lines or anything interesting to do other than killing the bad guys, I guess. They don't, but I, I will say that Thunderbolt is a yes, Thunderbolt is another Jackie Chan movie. Well, we'll have to look into that. I mean, it, it sounds interesting, and I'm definitely interested to know more about these Taiwan Thunderbolts. They seem interesting and, and capable, according to what the movie showed us. I actually don't know if it's like at all related because it looks like it's a race car movie with Jackie Chan. I would love to see a movie where Jackie Chan drives a race car and a SWAT team of Taiwanese men show up to like support him in any way. Like, could you imagine if like Jackie Chan's like rounding the like final lap and he's like he's not sure if he's gonna win or not but he's gotta make a pit stop but he doesn't have a they pit blow crew up anymore. The bridge and how's the car gonna get across the bridge and the helicopter with a giant magnet hanging from it lifts Jackie Chan's car across the bridge and he wins the the date the Hong Kong Daytona 500. <laughs> the Hong Kong 500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be cool. I'm not saying... Look, all I'm saying is a SWAT team doesn't have no place in a race car movie. It it doesn't have a 0% chance of showing up. (laughs) I I wanted to point out that this movie has some beautiful, just beautiful scenery. Like, all the time. Uh, I guess uh, as soon as they get on the, like, yacht or whatever... It's not a yacht, it's it's a cruise ship. It's a little bit more boring, but... All the time before that, all the shots are just gorgeous. Right? There was a point where I I just accept that they're on a yacht or a cruise ship the whole time. But, like, I don't know. I guess they didn't really give you a good sense of scale until that last shot where they zoom all the way out. Even just the shots where they go to, like, the skate park or they're avoiding the skate park kids and stuff. It's beautiful. It really is. They're attractive shots. They Whoever did the location scouting did a good job. I did like that. Yeah, it was very pretty. Like, all the way through. And, like, there's that one shot where, like, Jackie, like, throws the skateboard forward and the camera's, like, on the ground. And so, like, the skateboard jumps out in front of the camera and then Jackie jumps over it and lands on it as it's landing as well. Perfectly shot. I don't know how many times they had to try to make that happen, but it it looks so good and it's so worth it. There's a lot of shots like that where they, like, they are willing to put the camera on the ground to make the viewer feel like they're in a place, you know, they're, they're, they're lower than what's happening action wise i don't know it looks really good it feels really good very well done from a cinematography sort of uh, perspective but i guess that's about all the time that we have i i look forward to doing this again with you and i'm glad that i picked a movie that is just full of joy what a joyful movie it was a fun movie i don't know the, there was a couple of parts in the beginning where i'm like oh i gotta look for the smart part and then like by the time half of the movie had elapsed i was like no this is just for fun they're not over here talking about the economic the economic situation in Hong Kong or anything like that. We're just having a grand old time. Yeah. 
And that's that's cool. And that's fun. We like that. I, I can't say enough how much of a fun time this is. I had such a good time. But hey, we'll we'll call it a day and we'll uh we'll wrap it up here. Oodles. And 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 see for uh wait, no, we we did that, right? Yep, we already did that. Yep. Oh, okay, okay. And close your eyes or else it's and, like it's like <laughs> <laughs> we love you and go fuck yourself. <laughs> Close, close your eyes or else is like the opposite of see for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we just expect all of our viewers to like have their eyes shut until we tell them to watch something. I like that. <laughs> I like a podcast host with a little bit of threat to them, you know? You gotta go see for yourself. You gotta shut your fucking eyes because we're done now. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. That's it. We're done. Goodbye. City Hunter! City Hunter City Hunter City Hunter